Morning. So uh, this morning, we have a special treat. Um, so uh, Gary and Pauline Carlson have been missionaries over in Japan for a long time. I'm not gonna guess, I'll tell you about all that. Um, but uh, this church has been supporting them uh, since 1993 in one way or another. So, 92? I get this wrong. I haven't gotten that right yet. So forgive me online. This is recorded for all posterity. I don't do well with numbers, I guess. Um, so since 1992, uh, at that time, West Bay Covenant Church, which was a church plant, uh, picked them up as one of their first support missionaries. And when that church and Christ Church merged, um, they uh, kept them on. And so they have been supporting uh, them for a long time. Now, they have been serving over in Japan. And every so often they come back and they uh, give us a report. But this is actually a special uh, time visit because uh, they just retired. And so this is going to be kind of their... Um, end of August, you're going to retire. Okay, so you're still officially in Japan. Okay. I don't get all the times and dates right, but they'll, they'll, they'll clear it up. Um, but we are so glad to have them. So I would love for you guys to come up. And uh, I want to pray for you guys. But also, can we just give them a round of applause? Um, Some of us think of ourselves as really doing a lot for Jesus because we, you know, we go and we live a good life in front of people and we stay kind of in the United States and we have jobs here and we you know, have family around and stuff like that. But it is really uh, a big deal when um, a couple is willing to really kind of drop a lot of that and go and plant themselves in a completely different uh, place halfway around the world and to spend your lives uh, telling people about who Jesus is. And so um, I'm just so thankful that you guys, that you guys were willing to do that and that we had the opportunity to kind of be alongside of you in that, in that uh, process. So um, I'm going to pray for them and then I'm going to hand it off. And uh, Gary's going to share the word this morning. And they're going to tell also a little bit before that about their time in Japan. So um, Father, thank you so much for, uh, for Gary and Pauline. Thank you for them and those like them who really give up their lives in the way that most of us think about what life, um, kind of how we live our lives out. And they, they let so much of that go in order to be used by you in a place where they know there are people that need to hear about Jesus and that they, they just feel you calling them, drawing them to be a part of that, that ministry, that mission that you have to go into all the world and to make Jesus known. And so I just thank you for their hearts. I thank you for their, their service and their perseverance and just the grace uh, that carried them and the grace that they were able also to just pour out. And because of that, um, just the, the fruit that they have seen over the years, uh, where they have seen those who have caught a glimpse of who your son is and, and that it was enough, that it was enough that they would give their lives to, to him and give their lives to his his work and his mission and, and just um, and the life that they have found as a result. So thank you. Thank you. Um, I pray that our ears and our hearts would be open to hear the word that you share and that you give uh, through Gary and through Pauline and that you would stir in us also just that, that joy that is there, um, but that call that is there to be a part of that um, Jesus, that mission that you started 2,000 years ago when you came so that you could make you could make the Father known. You could just make known this God who we didn't know a whole lot about. And you can show us in real time what that love looked like. 
So um, be here this morning. We pray that you would again just pour out your spirit and make known to us again in this place. Show us again that love, that love and what that love looks like in real time. But thank you for these two. Pray that you'd bless their time with us and that you bless their time as they lead towards retirement and, um, and just the, the season of life that is beyond that as well. Let your hand be on them now. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. here with you all at Christ Church. And we have been here a number of times and each time to report on the things that God has been doing and that he's graciously allowed us to be part of. So we come to report, we come to give thanks to you for your partnership with us. And um, this is a special time because unfortunately it is our last time uh, to visit out this way as we retire at the end of August. Um, as we talk, I hope that you will hear that we're saying this has been your mission to Japan, not just ours, because you have supported us with your giving and your prayers. We went, actually, this says 1983, that's as what we call long-term missionaries. Pauline and I were each short-term missionaries, one year each before we got married, back in the 1970s, back when we looked like this. And uh, in one church where we shared this, uh, the pastor shouted out, that's when you guys were in junior high school, right? No, no, uh, a little after that. Uh, and our, our grandkids love to look at this and shout out, yeah, Grandpa, you actually had hair at one time. <laughs> when we did go to Japan in 1983, we went uh, with our older son, Adam, and as you can see, he's very excited about the 12-hour flight to, from Minneapolis to Tokyo. But later on, we added Andy, and uh, both boys were raised there, and uh, they're bilingual. And it's so much fun, because Andy once told me very proudly, Mom, I can insult my brother in two languages. <laughs> so now, I'm sharing about our boys, because... You have prayed for missionary families, and we have needed your prayer support, and it's been really important for us as a family. Just to update you, Adam, who's behind me, is a teacher at an international school in Tokyo. He's married to Meg, and I have four kids now. Andy, who is next to Gary, works in IT and web design. He's married to Cammie, and they have two little girls. He also lives, they also live in Tokyo. So our kids and our grandkids are over in Japan. Before I went in 1975 for the very first time to Japan, I didn't know much of anything about the country except maybe Mount Fuji. Uh, beautiful, beautiful mountain. I've climbed it twice. Um, just a great experience to be able to do that. The land of Japan is full of mountains. The whole landmass of Japan all put together is about the size of the state of California. And 80% um, is mountains. And they're beautiful in the summer when all the leaves on the trees come out. But of course, we're not there to be in the mountains, we're there to be in the cities, and the main one, of course, is Tokyo. Uh, Tokyo has 14 million people. Um, around the Tokyo area are cities like Yokohama and Kawasaki, and if you put all that together, the commuting area for people going into Tokyo and around the area, it's about 40 million people. Quite a lot of people. Um, they use a lot of trains. This is a jigsaw puzzle that we have 
that shows all of the train and subway lines just in the greater Tokyo area. It's a huge number uh, of trains and subways. Um, and I think sometimes during rush hour, it can feel like all 40 million in the Tokyo area are on the same train car with you. It can get that crowded. We are often asked, what are the religions of Japan? And the main ones are Buddhism and Shinto, and Japanese people pick and choose from both of those without any distinction, without choosing one against the other. Um, people will go to Buddhist temples and Shinto shrines, and you might find in a Buddhist temple a Shinto shrine. So it, it kind of mixes and, and fits in, in in terms of different rituals and different times to offer up prayers to the gods. When people offer up prayers to the gods, um, and maybe even put them up on a piece of paper or a piece of wood for the gods to read, they're very uh, general type of, we would almost call them wishes. May my daughter get into college. May my son get that job he's after. And there's no sense of a person that they're praying to. Where we would start out our prayers, dear Heavenly Father or dear Lord Jesus. The people of Japan, maybe 1% uh, are Christian. So our job has been to share that there is a God, a creator God, who is actively seeking out the Japanese people and wants to have a loving relationship with them. So we want to have a chance to share with you what your prayers and giving have done in the country of Japan. You probably didn't realize that you were a part of all this through your years of prayers for us. The first thing is you helped us to start three churches. And the first church was the Isezaki Covenant Christ Church, 70 miles northwest of Tokyo, out in the rice fields. And our first three years of church, it was our family of four and one Japanese believer. We had 35 kids in Sunday school, and I pray that those kids will remember something that they heard when they were a kid, but it was just us and Miss Arai. And she was so faithful. While we are up there, eventually more people started coming, uh, got to know people in our neighborhood. They'd send their kids to my English classes or to church and to kids' events. And it was, again, a start of a new church. Our second church plant was in the city of Kawasaki, just south of Tokyo, uh, the Nakahara Christ Church. And this was very different from our first church plant. To, for one thing, we started with a Japanese pastor couple uh, to work with in this church plant. And Pastor and Mrs. Sasaki not only led the church as it began, but they also led the church to do elder care at a very high professional level, a, a really a wonderful ministry. Um, that the Sasakis were licensed by the government to be able to do. Out of that grew ministries to moms with preschool kids, uh, to those with developmental disabilities, and more recently, this church has rented apartments and one house so that men coming out of prison will have a place to land as they try to work their way back into society. The church building is, uh, that they currently have is four stories. Uh, the first floor would be worship space on Sunday and daycare for the elderly during the week. Second floor is um, offices and meeting places. Uh, the third and fourth floors are apartments for the elderly and those with disabilities. If you were to come by the, the church um, on a weekday, you might find a scene like this where the moms are there with their kids for preschool, uh, moms with preschool kids, and then the kids might end up playing balloon volleyball with some of the elderly who are there for daycare. 
The third church that we had the privilege of, of starting was a Shonan Community Church. God led us to a part of the city of Fujisawa that had 700 homes and no church. And just for people to realize what the church is, and it was a safe place, and we loved their kids, and that we wanted to be a part of their community. We did a lot of, of children's and family ministry, vacation Bible school, and other outreach events. And I got to spend a lot of time with women just listening to their hearts and what they were dealing with. And that church continues to grow in that part of Fujisawa. Gary and I were involved uh, behind the scenes while Gary was preaching. Uh, we were doing music as well. He plays guitar and banjo, and I play percussion, so we had a chance to be involved in music. But just like you, COVID hit, and we went online. And um, it was interesting because, you know, church and, and Bible study and prayer meeting were all online. But as Gary said, 1% of the population is Christian. So in families, there might be one Christian and no one else in the family. But they wouldn't go to church, but as they heard worship online, as they heard things online, they were like, that's not so strange. It's okay. We know of a family where the parents are in their 90s that want to be baptized because they heard the gospel during COVID online as their daughter listened to worship. So that church, that the Shonan Church, has eight nationalities involved. I was thinking, I'm going to share Christ with Japanese. Well, we got all these other people over there that need to hear Christ too. So our common language is Japanese. Another way that you've supported our mission and through your prayers and giving is missionary kid education. It's an important need for missionaries is to have a good education for their kids. I was involved on the board of Christian Academy in Japan, and that was a school that was started for missionary kids to support the work of, that was happening throughout the country of Japan. And it was just good to see how God was using that school through the years. I hope you're seeing a pattern here. We really believe that by your prayers and your giving for our financial support, that you have helped us to do all these various ministries. One thing that I was able to do uh, is to teach future leaders at our Covenant Seminary. Covenant Seminary is a Protestant seminary run by our denomination in Tokyo, about 70 students, make, making it the largest Protestant seminary in Japan. I taught missiology, which is mission. In other words, not just what God is doing in the churches in Japan, but what is God doing in the rest of the world? Reaching out to people with the good news of Jesus Christ and how can these churches in Japan be part of that? I probably taught 92 students there out as pastors and church leaders helping the churches have a bigger vision for what God is doing in the world and how they can be part of that. I was also able to be part of uh, two churches going through times of crisis. The first one was the Hiratsuka Covenant Christ Church. Um, quite a number of years ago now, this church lost its pastor as it was found that he was doing some things that were just not right, and he had to leave. So the church was in turmoil. I was asked to go in and be an interim pastor until they could call their next pastor and help them work through some of these difficulties. More recently, I was called to be interim pastor at the Shin Akitsu Christ Church. This is a church in suburban Tokyo, about 25 people worshiping on a Sunday morning. They also had a problem with a pastor who had to leave. I was called to come in and help that church heal 
and regain a sense of God's vision and purpose for what they are to do in the world. We're very thankful that as Pauline and I look at each other and look at other missionaries and pastors who are getting older, that there are younger people that God is raising up. Pastor Hiro is a graduate of our seminary. He is actually now teaching my missiology course, and he's pastoring one of the largest churches in the covenant in Japan. A young man with a lot of energy and a lot of, uh, of exciting things that he's doing for the Lord. There are many others in ministry in Japan now, and lay people in the churches of a younger generation that God is raising up to continue the witness in Japan. I like sharing this picture of Mr. Ishii as he's getting baptized in the ocean at his request. I was so glad that it was July 8th when that happened and not January 8th. Um, pastor Bung, our pastor of our church at Shonan Community Church, is to the left, and I'm on the right. It's really the, the pa Pastor Bung doing the baptism. I tell people I was there as the lifeguard because of the undertow. Um, Mr. Ishii wanted to be baptized because he really met Christ in a real way. And I like to share with people here in the U.S. that while the language, the culture, and even what churches do at times can be different from the U.S., the work of Jesus in our hearts, in Mr. Ishii's heart, it's the same as what we experience anywhere around the world, and we're just very grateful. We've been part of his story, Mr. Ishii's story, and the story of several others. Thank you. That's what we want to say to you is thank you for your support, for your love, for your prayers, and just how your partnership has made all of this possible. So we really want to thank God for who you are as a church. If you have a Bible, um, and if you have a Bible app, in your phone, one or the other, please look with me at Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, I'll be reading from verse 35 to verse 41. Again, that's Mark chapter 4 from 35 to 41. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. As you came in, maybe from the parking lot to the church this morning, I wonder if you noticed a car with Minnesota plates. I'm originally from Connecticut, but Pauline's from Minnesota, and so we're in retirement in Minnesota, and we have a car with a Minnesota plate on it. Do you know what the Minnesota license plate usually says? Land of 10,000 lakes, exactly. And actually, you know, according to surveys by the government, geological surveys, it's closer to 15,000 lakes. And I think it really, you've got to include a lot of large puddles in that count, too. Um, Everyone in Minnesota, I find, seems to have a lake story. 
some place where they like to go fishing and something happened on one of those fishing trips. Uh, maybe they caught this really big fish that they proudly mount and hold, you know, show in their, in their den or else the one that got away, uh, maybe more likely. I have my own fishing story, but not, uh, not fishing story, excuse me, lake story, not from Minnesota, but from north of here, Pilgrim Pines, our covenant camp uh, in New Hampshire, near Keene. Uh, maybe some of you have been there. There is a, a wonderful lake, Lake Swansea, where the camp is, and I was there at camp every summer from age nine to maybe age 18. And um, one of those summers, towards the end, I was actually a counselor and had an afternoon free one day during the week. And I thought, I'd like to swim across the lake. It's about five football fields across in distance. And um, I, I talked to a friend of mine who was also a counselor and had the same afternoon off. I said, Allison, would you get a boat and spot me as I swim across? Because there are motorboats going back and forth. You've got to kind of watch what you're doing. She said, sure. So I went into the water in the swimming area, and she went over to get a boat. But she got a canoe, not a rowboat. And there was a wind blowing from the south. So I was swimming straight across the lake, and Allison in the canoe went like that <laughs> along the shore. And eventually we met on the other side. But as I'm crossing by myself with nobody spotting me, I was always looking out for motorboats. And if anything came near, I'd kind of dive down 10 or 15 feet and wait until I thought it was okay to, to surface again. And somehow made it across to the other side, met Allison, we got in the canoe and canoed safely back to camp. That's my lake story. We have a lake story in the Bible. Jesus and his disciples had a lake story. This is the, the Sea of Galilee, which is about 13 miles from north to south and eight miles east to west. So it's quite a, a bigger lake than uh, Lake Swansea in New Hampshire. It's the lowest freshwater lake in the world. And it's surrounded by small mountains or big hills. And that means that storms can cross over those ridges unexpectedly and cause a lot of problem if people are in the middle of the lake. Jesus has been teaching all day long, sitting in a boat belonging to one of his fishermen disciples. Um, as the crowd was, was so close, he didn't want to get pushed into the lake, probably. So he sat in the boat and taught them about God and his love for us. At the end of the day, he said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. Now, if that was me, I would probably be saying, hey, you guys, if you'd like to, you know, if it's convenient, if it works out okay, it would be kind of fun to go over to the other side of the lake. What do you think? But it's not me here, it's Jesus, and he is the Lord of all creation. So when he says, let's go over to the other side, that is really what's going to happen, no matter what occurs in the crossing. And what occurs is a storm, a terrible storm, so strong that the waves start to, to crash over the sides of the boat, and they're about to be swamped and sink. The disciples have to wake Jesus up. Now, he's asleep in the back of the boat, and to me, that's almost more of a miracle than what Jesus does next, which is to tell everything to be quiet, and then there's a calm, and the storm is over. 
I would encourage you, if you can later today, to look at the beginning of chapter 5, the next passage uh, in the book of Mark, because what we find is that when they make it to the other side, there's somebody there who is in desperate need of Jesus' help. And I think when Jesus said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side, he already knew that there was more for him to do over there. This story is such a special one for me as I think of different experiences that Pauline and I have had in ministry as missionaries in Japan, things that we thought we should be doing, things we believed God was calling us to do, and all of a sudden something isn't happening or something isn't working right, like a storm coming up in the middle of the crossing of the Sea of Galilee. Do you remember Pauline telling about how in our first church plant we had up to 35 kids in Sunday school, but in worship for three years, it was our family of four and one Japanese believer, Miss Arai. Now, if Miss Arai had said to us in year two, let's say, well, this is obviously not working out. This church is not going to go anywhere. I'm leaving. I'm going to find a better place to worship. If she had done that, what would Pauline and I have done? I don't know. What I do remember is that for me, in the midst of those three years, there were times when I was kind of crying out like the, the disciples in this boat. Lord, don't you care that this church isn't going anywhere? Don't you care that nobody's coming? It felt like a storm. But at the end of those three years, we did start to see people come. People coming to Christ at that Isesaki Covenant Christ Church. Shift ahead to our third church plant, the Shonan Community Church. We were planning to start that church in um, the spring of 2011. And in Japan, April 1st is the start of the new school year, business year, and church year. So lots of churches begin new programs right around that time. So April 2011 was when we were going to do all kinds of new things and get to know our neighbors in our new community. But what happened in March of 2011? Does that ring a bell for anyone? Specifically, March 11th of 2011. That was that magnitude 9 earthquake that occurred off the northeast coast of Japan. The strongest earthquake we ever felt way down in Tokyo area where we were living. Um, up in the disaster area, more than 20,000 people lost their lives. A nuclear reactor was devastated, and that couldn't provide electricity anymore to the Tokyo area. So there were rolling power blackouts. Trains weren't reliable anymore. And what happened was that people worked at getting to work and to school, but then stayed home. They didn't want to go out. And for a church trying to start new programs, that was quite a difficulty. Again, Lord, don't you know what's going on? Why is this happening? Don't you care about us? It felt like a storm. But that church also was able to move in new directions eventually and to see God bless and bring new people. In many other situations as well, in church work, in other kinds of work, we have seen where in the midst of something that we felt very strongly God had called us to do, some problem came up that made it seem impossible for that really to happen. 
that felt something that felt like a storm. But what we have learned is that in all of these different situations, Jesus never left us. At times it felt like it, but Jesus never left us. He was always there, and his plans for us always came to pass. We always got through to that other side that was the place Jesus was leading us to, always to places of new opportunity for ministry. We returned to the U.S. last year at the end of March, and we've been doing ministry for a while at that point, connected with the Internet back to Japan, and then we started to go out to visit our supporting churches like Christ Church to say thank you for all your years of prayer and financial faithfulness to us. We have at the end of August a time in which we will no longer be covenant missionaries, and then we wonder what's next? What does God have for us next? It could be interim ministry for me. Uh, in any case, we know that God has something for us on the other side of retirement. Uh, it may be difficult. It may not. I don't know. But God will be with us in all of it. I wonder how this scripture passage hits you today. How are you hearing it? Maybe one or more of you is in the midst of some sort of personal storm where things are rough right now, and it may even feel like Jesus is not with you, that he's abandoned you, or at least he's asleep and not really doing what he's supposed to be doing for you. Sometimes our walk with Christ can feel that way. But I hope you hear from this passage a message that Jesus is always with us. He never leaves us, even when it seems like he has. So whatever storm we may be going through or may go through in the future, we're always okay, ultimately, because Jesus is with us. He hasn't abandoned us. Towards the end of this passage, after rebuking the storm, it seems like Jesus is rebuking his disciples. He says, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? We could hear that as a rebuke where Jesus is like, oh, man, these guys just don't get it. I've had it with them. But no, this is really an invitation from Jesus for these disciples to learn from the experience, to grow in their faith, and to trust Jesus even more in the future. As we deal with storms in our lives, as we struggle through those experiences, Jesus will lead us through he will cause us to grow because of those experiences. And again, there's something on the other side, some way in which maybe we now can care for people around us, for their physical needs, or to give them the word of the gospel. This is true for us as individuals, but it's true for churches as well. We've all, whatever part of the world, we've all gone through COVID. And that's affected different churches in different ways. And there may be other things going on here at Christ Church. I don't know, but you would. Whatever is happening in your church, Jesus is in the midst of it all. Very much knowing what you're going through, still caring. He's not abandoned you. He's going to continue to take you through everything to the place that he has prepared for you. 
So I hope that as we think about this passage today that we'll have a greater sense that Jesus is with us in everything, that he cares for us, that he's constantly aware of what we're going through and we can always turn to him, and that Jesus may be leading us to some new place in which we can care for other people, in which we can share with him, with them how good Jesus is. May that be true in your experience as you get to know Jesus more and more each day. May that be true for Christ Church as you continue to grow together in serving him in this place. Jesus says, let's get to the other side. He's taking us. He's with us, and we'll get there. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for all your many blessings to us. We thank you for this scripture passage today that reminds us that no matter what we go through, no matter what we might be afraid of, that you are with us and that you know our situation. You're taking care of us and leading us through it to where you want us to go. As you call us to be with you in the boat, to cross whatever experiences are ahead of us. Help us to keep our eyes on you. Help us to stay in conversation with you, to learn from you, to grow in trusting you, and to be available to you as you would use us to be a blessing to people here in this community and even around the world as far away as Japan. Thank you for your many, many good gifts of blessing in our lives, and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.